All right. Oh, good good afternoon and all that. This is the BBC World Service and so on. No, it's not. We're right, I won't say that. Okay, so uh, welcome to the Long 20th Century History Podcast. And that's what we're calling it at the moment, aren't we? Yes, definitely. All right, so hello. And um, I'm, I'm Mr. Bendigo Turnipire and this is Miss Jenny Mouse Mountain. Yes. We'll be known as that for at least the, for at least the foreseeable future. And, uh, well, yes, what are we going to do with this podcast? All the kids are in podcasts these days, aren't they? Apparently. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So, um, yeah, what we would like to talk about is basically sort of weird parts of uh, 20th century history. Yes. The really, so yeah, and uh, some of it certainly will have to do with Australian 20th century history, which is usually passed off as something a bit dull. What, do you remember doing a bit of history at school? We I, don't, I was yeah. actually looking through the Jacaranda. Yeah. Um, oh, God, Jacaranda, yeah. yeah. Geography textbook, history mm-hmm. textbook yesterday. God, yeah. And I was came across, you know, Australian... Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the wars in Australia ah, and talking yes. about you know, massacres in Australia and uh, not one mention of the Emu Wars. Not one mention of the glorious Emu Wars. If it, I don't think if it had been for the, uh, the you know, the um, country ball sort of comics and stuff on the internet, I don't think even Australians would know about the Emu Wars. No. I think it's America ball and Poland ball made those quite famous as memes. You Justice know. for Emus. Justice for the Emus. <laughs> they expended an awful lot of rounds, didn't they? It was thousands mm. and thousands of rounds of the machine gun rounds. Didn't they? Yeah. How many Emus did they... Uh, did they kill? I think it was. I think it was about a dozen or so. But you can check up on that. We could do an episode at some point on the Emu Wars, yeah, I imagine, yeah. and various things associated with that. But today we're going to be talking about uh, the big question of: Did the Colonial Sugar Refinery Company fund fascism in Australia in the 1930s? Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so let's see. Um, Mrs. Mouse Mountain has the com for today because this is this is this is sort of a rather her sort of area of expertise, so to speak, when it comes to uh, history. So, uh, just tell us a bit about what what got you interested in, in uh, well, specifically uh, the history of fascism in Australia in the thirties and so on. Because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the things. Like, I think most people are like what people had to go at being fashy in, in Australia in the nineteen thirties. You, you don't really associate yeah. uh, such extremism yeah. in, in Australia. I don't think. No, not um, at all. Yeah. We're very middle of the road. Yeah, pretty lazy. For, yeah, very long time. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to to even think that it was cool. Yeah, so you're quite uh, interested, particularly in, in early 20th century history, particularly uh, the uh, fascism and the Nazis and also Soviet communism, which yes. to do with propaganda, aren't you? Yes, yes. Propaganda and so on. Very cool. Uh, interesting stuff. So, yeah, I bet most people wouldn't have a dang clue about this. So, when we say the Colonial Sugar Refinery Company, uh, who the heck were they? CSR Sugar. CSR Sugar, the people you find in the in the sugar aisle in the supermarket. So why are we even asking this question? Has it been posed before? Is it a kind of sort of cultural meme sort of lurking in the background that they were involved with, with fascism? I don't think it meme. It's not a meme. But yeah. um, <laughs> let's make there, it a meme. There was a group of yeah. um, conservatives in yeah. Australia called the Old Guard. The Old Guard, all and right. And yeah. they were supported by um, lots of big businesses, yes. such as CSR Sugar and, right. yeah. and um, yeah, the bus company and things like that in New South Wales. All right. And so, for some reason, yeah. they've been labelled as fascism yeah, yeah. due to... Um, small section of their group that yeah. split off and became the new guard the new guard so you had the old gut followed by the new guard yes. all right Wonder- very creative, <laughs> <immensely aren't we? laughs> creative so so why why would the big companies fund fund these con- sort of conservative groups at this time because they were all about um well they they formed uh, as 
after the First World War as a group of soldiers coming together uh -huh, and yes, yep. finding jobs. It was a good way to, to gain yeah. employment, to mm -hmm. gain stability after such a, 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 an unstable time. Yeah, yeah. Um, funding housing, all sorts of things. So big businesses tried to, mm. to look good and, and help soldiers and things like that. Were they also worried about communism or we just had yeah, the Soviets, you know, then we had the um, Russian Revolution a little bit behind that sort of thing. Yeah. Was there, you know, were they worried about, say, like large union movements in some of the time in Australia? Yes. Oh, I bet they were. Well, that was sort of a thing all over the shop. So mm. I suppose these guys are like the uh, CSR. So did CSR particularly have a problem with unions and desire to do a bit of union busting and so on? Well, I don't think it was about union busting. I think it was more mm. about um, just keeping the old ways. The so old they, ways, they, they didn't yeah. really want to change. They wanted big business and corporations mm. to remain in charge. Mm. And, um... Yeah. We can go to this slightly blank bit. So, um, so CSR were they pretty big at the time? Did they have quite a big share of, I suppose, in, yeah, in yeah. Uh, New South? Was it in uh, Queensland as well, which is sort of there, a big, there was a growing area? Yeah, yeah, there was there was a bit of this sort of um, mm. old guard, new guard in mm. Queensland, and there was lesions in Melbourne as well. Oh, in Victoria, um, yeah. But the vast majority of them were in New South Wales. Why, why in New South Wales of all places? Uh, were they particularly around Sydney or around particular industries and um, stuff? So they, they gained popularity due to the Jack Lang government. Oh, right. Um, Tell us a little bit about the Jack Lang government. Well, they were particularly despised by the old and new guard because mm. they didn't want to make repayments to... Um, loans or people who loaned to them in England. Oh right, yeah. And and that was a huge disgrace. You know, if you didn't pay your loans to those in, in England, how mm -hmm. can you keep face in Australia? Alright. And so basically maintaining good standing um, globally in that sort of sense. And support the Empire and support and all the Empire the, and the, the, the monarchy yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff was yeah. very important. Mm -hmm. So um, hence why they sort of formed and gained popularity in the 1920s and 30s. Was, was there a bit of concern that maybe things were changing a bit too fast by that bit? Definitely. That the, the empire yes. was not being honoured as it should be. Yeah, and that's the, right. And the, uh, the queen was like, the king, yeah. The king. <laughs> God save the king. God save the king. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this, so, um, yeah, sort of tell us about how these kind of movements got started. How did the old guard sort of really get started? So they came together, um, as I said, as a group of soldiers yep. who were looking for stability and um, it was a secret organisation. Oh, right. They were undoubtedly conservative mm -hmm. and, yeah, directed towards the preservation of uh, the existing order. Mm. Um, and... They were. They came together due to the election of John Thomas Lang in, in 1930 right, as yeah. a Premier of New South Wales. Yeah. Um, he was a Labor Party um, mm -hmm. and had an Australia First stance. Yeah. And they particularly didn't like his attempts at left-wing revolution, which suggested that the state government's defaulting on the interest repayments oh, on that's British left, loans. That's left-wing revolution to left these guys, revolution. is it? Not paying your loan to the Crown, yeah. Um, yeah. But also its discussion of socialisation yeah. and the formation of a largely in ineffective labour army oh, right. and Lang's refusal to acknowledge Commonwealth authority. Oh, right. So their main thing that brought them mm. together was 
the monarchy, their belief in yeah, the monarchy yeah. and their belief in, in <coughs> corporations yeah. um, to keep everything working the way that it was supposed to. Yeah. And this is fixated, as we're saying, uh, around particularly the New South Wales state government and yes. the gripes these guys had with the Premier yeah, yeah, and I mean, what they thought he was going to do. Yeah, there mm -hmm. were factions in Melbourne, um, mm -hmm. like the White Army, Yeah. Don't have as much information about them All right, as so, we do the old yeah. and the new guard. They were they were more the popular ones. All right, so it's about well, we talked. We, we, there's not so much about the the white guard. I mean, obviously they they this, they didn't emerge as a reaction to that specific New South Wales state government. Mm. What what caused them to emerge? The the um the white army. Yeah, I mean, well, if your white army sounds an awful lot like the uh, the uh, you know the white Russians and so on. Very you know sort of reactionary. Uh, kind of colour symbolism of the time. Um, I don't actually have a lot of information on that. All right, so we'll go back to uh, the we'll go back to talking about the the old guard and uh, they're, they're, they're the more interesting, the more ones. interesting sort of mm. ones. All right, so then we started about Lang was elected in 1930. Yeah, so you're yeah. saying so did the old guard uh, start before then or only after he'd been after he'd been elected? Uh, they were sort of around before then. Yeah. They um, they began as the Gillespie Goldfinch organisation, which later became known as the Old Guard. Who's who are Gillespie and Goldfinch? Were they founders right. or are these companies? So, um, hmm. so Philip Goldfinch was the general manager of CSR Sugar. Uh huh. All right. And yep. Sir Robert Gillespie was the director of the Bank of New South Wales. Here we go. And the general manager of one of the largest flour mills in the state. All right. Um, yeah. Also within the society were people such as the president of the Royal Agricultural Society. All right. The chairman of the AMP. Um, and they drew their members um, exclusively from the powerful elite, oh, um, okay. the loyal and highly influential citizens mm -hmm. upon whom we have to rely on in an emergency. Yep. So they were, yeah, they were formed in 1930 um, and it was a direct response to the Lang Right, business. Hmm. The big business is spooked. Right, this sounds already like a rather yeah. like sort of the cardboard cutout sort of old Marxist analysis of you know fascism is uh, is is liberalism in panic. It's capital bourgeoisie in panic. You know, yeah. but were were they? Well, we should be start asking. These guys sort of just sound like uh, just bourgeois sort of trad sort of guys. To yeah. how fashy were they? Are we talking? Um, you know. The old uh, Hugo Boss boots and things like well, that. When we say fashion, I guess it depends on what your, your yeah. definition of fascism is. Okay, all right. So, well, this is this is something that everyone likes to throw. You know, the old hot potato of what fascism is around. Mm -hmm. How would how would you sort of have a go at defining what it actually is? So, uh, for this particular uh, topic, I've drawn upon Robert Eatwell's yeah. definition. Um, from his article on defining the fascist minimum, the centrality Ooh. of ideology. The fascist minimum. Yes. So uh, his definition of fascism is um, an ideology that strives to forge social rebirth on yep. a holistic, national, radical third way. Yep. Though in practice fascism has tended to stress style, especially action, and the char charismatic leader mm -hmm. more than detailed program, and to engage in a Manichaean demonization of its enemies all right either or black and white in yeah. and out. yeah manichaeism is a uh, dualism strict dualism yeah mm. the two 
He suggests that there are four points to consider when labelling a group as fascist. Yeah. So your first point is nationalism. The belief mm-hmm. that the world is divided into nations is central to fascism. Yep. Two, holism. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, meaning mm-hmm. that the collective predominates over individual rights and interests. Yep. Three, radicalism. It involves the rejection of existing society and the power of establishment of groups. Mm-hmm. Further, there is the desire to create a new political culture which is completed partly through cathartic violence and mobilization. Yeah. And four, third way fascism. Um, it's hostile towards both socialism and capitalism, but draws upon aspects of both. Yeah. It views capitalism as too focused upon the individual and socialism as too internationalist based upon false views of equality. And see, I often said that the dreaded third position is, is a bit of a mongrel thing. It borrows, yes. it borrows whatever it can and yet definitely, as I've always been saying, it likes the old optics, aesthetics. Yes. It's it's yeah the uh it's a bit of a spectacle of a sort of thing, all right? So I think if we if we take into particularly um the third point there, you know, mm-hmm. the rejection of the existing society, I think on that point alone we can say that the old guard is not fascism. Yes. Because it wanted to uh preserve that existing way of life. It didn't yeah. like the fact that Jack view Jack Lang as being too socialist um, and you know creating too much change when they wanted to preserve the monarchy and Mm -hmm. the way things were Mm -hmm. that's why I drew upon the elite that's it and one thing is now noticed uh, noted now and then is that sort of if the difference between conservatives and and Mm. proper reactionaries is that the conservatives are uh, try to hold on to and bolster something that they're very much cons- you know believe is the status quo it already exists mm. where with, with reaction it tends to either try and go back to a kind of mythic past mm. or it's the futurist sort is that it wants mm. to accelerate towards uh, something where there's these tendencies existing but yeah. they have you know they, they need to be sort of changed and uh, you know utilize your worship of technology and so on yeah. uh, so yeah, in this sort of case these guys yeah just sort of sound like a uh, trad conservative I mean- dudes with some big money friends yeah 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 i mean they'd already um you know they one of their um main points was forming was to form a statewide organization to assist the police Mm. in order to maintain um order in a socialist uprising due to the Lang government. <laughs> well, they were you really know, convinced they'd they, be a, They'd yeah. already set about a protecting vital strategic points such as power stations, transport centres, oil plants, banks, post offices. Wow. You know, they, they were so afraid that Lang's government was going to cause such a chaos and create such change that yeah. they... They just couldn't deal with it. You have to protect the important mm. pieces, parts of infrastructure and so on. They, yeah. they went doomsday prepper style. Yeah, this is it. They're quite convinced that there's going to be a socialist revolution in New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. This is they pretty out there. Yeah, wow. Um, interesting stuff. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they, they began sort of organising around around this sort of stuff. Mm. And so what happened to the old guard? Did they have any kind of, you know, they mentioned in the newspapers at the time, did they have much prominence? Obviously, there's some pretty influential people are part of this, and that's who they were fishing for. Yeah. Well, Whilst they were drawn from the elite, they mm-hmm. were a secret organisation. Mm-hmm. So people knew that they were there, yeah. but they weren't really at the at the fore um, of of you know the news and things. I mean, they they were given um, an overdraft by the Bank of New South Wales of twelve thousand pounds, which is quite a significant sum, yeah. um, but weren't really well known 
um, okay. amongst the wider population. Right. Not like the New Guard. Not like the New Guard, okay. So when did the New Guard happen? When did they start? So the Was New there Guard an argument? Splitters? A splitter, yes. Splitters! So um, a small group of people particularly mm. thought that the men who ran the New Guard, uh, the Old Guard, were just to sit there and look pretty and yeah, you know, yeah. weren't, weren't really proactive. We were more talk than walk. We are, right. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the main group of people that we're going to look at is um, Eric Campbell, who was the leader of the New Guard, yeah, yeah. and his right-hand man, uh, Mr. Francis de Groot. Francis de Groot, yeah. So uh, Eric Campbell was you know, unhappy with the lack of action to mm-hmm. stop Premier Lang. Um, yeah and his motion to default on the loan repayments uh, created a faction um, to oppose the government and the government's lack of respect for king and country. All right. So which year did they, do we say that they, um, they did this? When did they so begin to split? Um, about 1930, late, late, late 30, 31. So fairly early on. So I'm... fairly early on, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But... It's really hard to sort of pinpoint when they, when they specifically when they formed, um, mm-hmm. but it was definitely by 1931, as the numbers tended to drop off by 33, oh, okay. and then were completely gone by 1935. Wow, and so is does this sort of stand for this kind of old guard, new guard period in general? It was a very sh- uh, short sort of Yeah, very, period. very short, very fiery kind of Fiery sort of thing, and they're, they're, they're sort of gone by 33, whereas mm. in comparison in Europe by 33, that's when you're properly starting to see, yeah. um, see, see, see fascists beginning to take over yeah. countries and stuff. Was there a particular reason for that, or were Australians just not particularly interested in this stuff, or these guys couldn't organise shit and just fell apart? What do you think? I think largely there was um, some movement from... Um, the government. So when yeah. when Lang was um, taken out of government, yeah. he was asked to leave mm-hmm. um, by the Governor General. I think it is. All right. Um, why? Why? That, why was he asked be, to leave? Because of the um, huge fights between the old, uh, the new guard, and the communists. Actually. All right. So was there violence in the streets? Oh yes, there was. Wow. And so where was this? Was this in Sydney? In Sydney, yeah. there was um, a couple on the so there was there's this one story about um, there was supposed to be a new guard meeting at this little town hall. Mm. I can't remember where, but it's somewhere on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. All right, up top. Yeah. And the person double booked. And there was also a communist <laughs> uh, meeting there that day. Yeah. And then all hell descended, and there was a huge brawl broke out. And I think that was the one where mm. the new new guard was singing. Uh, God save the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and causing a bit of havoc there. And all right, yeah. There's there was also um, fights in in the streets of Sydney um, yeah. on the main street in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Um, between the New Guard and communists, where Francis de Groot had mm-hmm. formed a small collection of people and mm-hmm. said, "No, we can't have mm-hmm. communists. They are not decent people." Mm-hmm. And caused a bit of a ruckus there as well. Okay, and mm. so when whereabouts was that? These these things happening. What year was this? Oh, this would have been 32, 33. So all right, so. Mm. Just- Height. So, and it was because of this kind of violence and so on, was the, the, the Governor General asked Lang to uh, to step down, did he? Uh, yes. All right. But, um, I don't think that the 
opening of the Sydney Harbour Bridge was very helpful towards his because of this just a bit of it. Where so well, yeah, this is this is the big one. This is something which turns up if you if you search fascism in Australia or whatever on the internet. One of the first things that will come up is this particular story, uh, and it's 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 because of the symbolism involved and the well, it's the opening of it's about the opening of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, yes, which is, is one of the sort of greater architectural sort of symbols of Australia. Big, um, you know, and um, so tell us a little bit about about that. What happened? Well, uh, the Nuka were particularly upset that the Lang government had not invited any of the royal family to come and open the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Really? Okay. And that Lang was going to do it himself. They didn't mm -hmm. think it was proper. They thought it was offensive to the monarchy and oh, to the yeah. king and country. And so they decided that they would go dressed in their um, soldier regalia mm -hmm. on horseback. Yeah. And uh, amongst the police, I think it was the police mm -hmm. and the soldiers who were marching down the road towards the harbour bridge, mm -hmm. uh, Francis de Groot strode on ahead in front of everybody, mm -hmm. took out his sword and said, um, yeah, for the decent yeah. people of Sydney, yeah. I declare this bridge open and <laughs> opens the bridge. For the decent people of Sydney. For the decent, God save the king. The decent people. <laughs> right, so he cut he cut the ribbon, he did he? He cut the ribbon. Wow, wonderful. Um, and yes, yeah, so was there much of a, a furor about about this uh, happening? I think he ended up getting fined. Yeah. Um, wasn't very much no. and they also had him um, psychologically assessed wow. to see if he was insane All right. um, <laughs> which he wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that was when um, we read that article about Francis de Groot being the sexiest um, yes fas making fascism look sexy in Australia he was he was at the time that was when the girlies the all girlies decided that he was he was eaten a bit man on a horse you know mm. with his sword being all noble and 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 and, and respecting the monarchy and all that yes. and he was he wasn't he was was he a particularly handsome man or anything like that though did they they thought he yeah. no not really no it doesn't do I don't it for think you so. <laughs> <laughs> but um he was apparently though quite a tiny man though wasn't he apparently yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember an article you found at one point which is was talking about things in the newspapers at the time just something for the tune of that that uh, you know that you know the, the innate motherliness of you know good noble decent Australian women would sort of make them want to you know just pick him up and hug him he's a small man he's a baby man but he's, he's a, a but he's also a sexy man he's a sexy baby man of of Australian fascism isn't he all right Apparently. yeah mm -hmm. so yeah it, it's fascinating that that's that's how the Sydney Harbour Bridge was opened yes. <laughs> so what uh, we so when about some was that was this sort of before just about the before the end of when you know the the new guard because it made it into the papers and all this sort of stuff. So it would have been at the height of the new guard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when was the opening of Sydney Harbour? Was that 1932? I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it would have been at the height, and there's no real numbers for how many men were mm. uh, included in the. Mm -hmm. New Guard. Really? It ranges from about forty thousand yeah. to a hundred thousand. Yeah. And then back down to about thirty thousand. Alright. Um and I think by about nineteen thirty-three it was at about ten thousand members. And so it's dropping off pretty rapidly. Quite quite significantly. Even yeah. after the big symbol of the yeah. uh, cutting the ribbon. And the New Guard were able to have such a large um, 
membership base mm. because they included tradespeople. Yeah. They they had the Royal um, mm. Railway Association. Or, yeah. or everybody in that was included as members. <laughs> but did they just sort of sign them up? Did, did they know about this? Well, well actually, it says that. Um, this is, um, so the. One, one of the, the main members of the Railway Service Association, his name was Fletcher, yeah. and he promised that, and I quote, about 90% of his union would stand behind the new guard should trouble arise and maintain law and order in respect to maintaining the railway service. All right. So, you know, 90% of the Railway Service Association, that, that's pretty large. Wow. Large numbers just in that alone, just, really. Yeah, yeah. Just saying they, they, these these guys were trying to, you know, could, um, trying to preserve, they saw, you know, the, mm. the large infrastructure and things working yes. because of their belief there was going to be a communist revolution. That's and right. Everything, everything would uh, become anarchic. And, uh, and it wasn't just the communists that they were afraid of, it yeah. was also the unemployed unions. The unemployed unions. Yeah, so, yeah. because they thought that the, the communists and the unemployed unions were working together. All right. So um, that yeah. was when you had a lot of scuffles, was mm -hmm. the new guard against these two factions. All right, so what are the names of sort of some of these, uh, these scuffles and so on? I saw one there, the Battle of Bankstown. There's the Battle of Bankstown in February 1932. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Francis de Groot, um, stated that the disloyal sentiments expressed by the communist speakers mm. in reference to the royal family yeah. and British institutions in general were hard to listen to on the part of loyal citizens. I felt that the best reply to force was greater force, and seeing that we could command the greater force saw no reason why it should not be employed. Okay. So with you know, you can see in his, his sentences there that, you know, loyal citizens and mm -hmm. we are the greater force. He, he clearly thought a lot he of, did. The, of the, the new guard and of himself, like you know. He certainly did, yes. Mm. The dis, those disloyal communists. So, yeah. so you're saying that it, it made into things like some of these 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 uh, altercations into the Sydney Morning Herald and so on? Yeah, so mm. there's a couple of stories mm. um, that I found on Trove from the Sydney Morning oh, Herald from 1932. And one is about a man who was given a note mm. um, to go and beat up. Yeah. Uh, someone that was supposedly a communist. Okay. It's a great story. Alright, would you want to read it out or talk about sure. it a bit? Sure. So, um, it begins. On May 5, he found a note underneath his door which read, Pick up car, corner Underwood and William Streets between 11 and half past. It was not signed, but he knew it was a note from the new guard. He had received other notes from the new guard in connection with transport. Following the instructions of the note, he was picked up about 11.30pm by a touring car in which were four men. No words were spoken. He did not know the others. The car pulled up in front of a house in Marubra. Mm -hmm. Before the car stopped, the driver said, The job is communist. Your job is to quieten the dog. The driver remained in the car and he and the other three men climbed a fence into a backyard. Scott said in the statement that a man in the car had given him a tire lever saying, if the dog makes any noise, hit him with this. A man came out of the back door of the house in his pyjamas and walked around a passage. There was a disturbance in the passage and someone said, get your gun dad and shoot him. 
So um, he ended up getting beaten up. He broke his left wrist, and it turns out that um, the person whose house they were sent to was yeah. a prominent socialist and trade union leader, Jock Garden. All right, so, the, so yeah, interesting. So the, did they know who the guy who they'd been asked to do the job on was at the time, or they just go go no. to this place and yeah, give yeah, this guy no, a bashing? They, they yeah. were given no details, just mm. told where to go and yep. to, to wipe them out, basically. Mm. And so it. It just goes to show that the mm. new guard were clearly more active than the old guard, yeah. and, and it wasn't limited to just petty scuffles on the street. It was mm. insidious, sort of, we're going to get like, you at midnight yeah. while you're sleeping and wipe you out. It's a very organised, mm. um, you know, attempt to uh, to go to do political yeah, violence here, yeah. getting specific guys to go and do stuff. Uh, so. What came of what came of uh, of this incident? Did the did the guy report it to the police or anything like that? Was there well, much I'm in the paper? Well, I'm assuming that yeah. if he's, I mean, this was in the papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from 1932. This this yeah. story. So I'm assuming that if it was in the paper in 1932, yeah. he probably would have had to have gone to the police. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, so was there after? So this is yeah, the height in 1932. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, well, let's, to go back to well, the question that sort of started this is well, do you ask that with the regards to the well, the new guard, do you were uh, CSR funding these guys as well? No, kind of... no. So they they were looking more towards things like yeah, the railway service. Yeah. Um, and yeah. their their own members that they drew from. They wanted a grassroots. Yeah, sort of, they wanted yeah, a grassroots. Labor sort of they, yeah, yeah well. they they wanted mm-hmm. men that they knew could get the job done. They weren't drawing from the elite. They no. were drawing from from the middle and lower classes. Yeah, yeah. And so this is quite different as it's developing. Did, were these guys, were they influenced by uh, by other groups from other countries at the time? You know. Uh... So, um, they were actually favourably looked on by the British fascists. Yeah. So, um, Sir Oswald Mosley yes. in 1934 actually stated that um, it's remarkable that Australia, without having studied political philosophy and methods spontaneously developed, a form of fascism peculiarly suited to the needs of the British Empire. Alright. Um, you know, at the time, fascism was looked upon favourably. We've even got Prince Edward um, viewed Hitlerism as being positive for Germany, and it's quoted that he said, dictators are very popular these days, we might have one in England before long. Right. Uh, Wilfred Kent Hughes, who was a minister in the Victorian government, yeah, yeah. Um, and was later a part of the Menzies administration, wrote um, a series for the Herald called Why I Have Become a Fascist. Oh, right. Where he explained that fascism was definitely the spirit of the age. Wow. And we've even got quotes from Robert Menzies himself in 1938 after he visited Germany. He was the uh, federal attorney general at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he He said that, I must confess that we were both and his wife, glad to escape from the somewhat queer atmosphere in Germany. Nevertheless, it must be said that this modern abandonment by the Germans of individual liberty and of the easy and pleasant things of life has something rather magnificent about it. All right, now, yeah. Mm. Um, so, I mean, fascism was obviously fairly big. yeah. yeah. At, at this time, mm. and and not known as we know it today. Mm. Um, no, it's yeah, very interesting, and particularly that yeah. it's the as 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 
supposedly say mm. that it's this is something suited particularly to the British Empire because yeah. it seems the entire basis of this old guard, new guard stuff is to try and preserve, preserve the yeah, the coherence with the mother mm. country there, and that's what they're worried. There's going to be a break yeah. from that, you know. Was, uh, that's that's quite fascinating. So as for mm. being particularly um, influenced by things. I don't think that there's any particular influence. I think um, Eric Campbell's drawing upon things from, you know, the British fascists, the, mm-hmm. the German fascists, as well as the Italian fascists. Mm. And in 1935, sort of towards the end of the New Guard, was when he went on his big trip to Germany, Italy, and Britain and right. met some of these people. All right. um, he claims that he met Hitler and, and yeah. Goering, yeah. but. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. He just did. He, did he meet Mussolini? No. Nah, didn't get an audience um, with Mussolini. No. And when he came back was when he started incorporating, you know, the Hitler um, salute. Oh, they were doing the salute, were um, they? All right, yeah, yeah. But Roman salute. Yeah. He no, was the only one doing it. <laughs> he was the um, only one doing it. The, right. the others were sort of, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this isn't that great yeah. anymore. Um, they they'd moved on, I think, to yeah. other sort of memberships yeah. and things like that and that's another thing is that um it was that was it the old guard or the new guard did that i seem to recall you saying at some point that that some of them had links with what later became the liberal party uh, so true? that was the old guard that was the old um, guard so the more elite sort of guys yeah, yeah. there's there's um some rumors that floating around on the internet there saying that john howard's dad was part of the old guard really um Apparently he worked at a petrol station. He did, yes. And sort of knew some of the guys in the old guard. Yeah. It's not really clear as to whether he was definitely or not. Yeah. As he didn't really talk to his sons about it, so we don't have yeah any any the, any, any solid even anecdotal evidence, evidence yeah. really. All oh, right, so all right, interesting. Yeah. So, right, this seems to be quite a short and intense period of time and, and in panic and, well, it's connected quite strongly with the uh, with the Lang and the New South Wales government. But mm. is there much to say about the other states, Victoria, for example? So, um, in Victoria, as I said, we have the... Um, the war, uh, was it the, the uh, White Army. The White Army, um, yeah. At this time, we also had the Australian Protective League. Oh, right, what did they do? Um, they were... They, they, their purpose was to coordinate the country's best citizens into wow. into paramilitary squads <laughs> that were ready to assist with the maintenance of law and order. So similar to what the old guard were ready yeah, to yeah. do. Um, we also had the King and Empire Alliance in mm-hmm. Sydney, All right. um, which were the largest and most vibrant organisation mm. um, for, for imperial patriotism and anti-communism in 1922. So that's a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, in 1920 in Sydney again, there was also the Commercial and Industrial Publicity Bureau, <laughs> which changed their name. Yeah. And this is great. To the same Democracy League. <laughs> you can guess what their purpose was. Yeah. They're, they're, to combat communism. Yeah, of course. Yep, and yep. to bring about a better understanding between employer and employee for the common good. Corporatism. Uh, <laughs> so in Melbourne, um, we also had um, the League of National Security, which mm-hmm. later became the White Army. Yeah, yeah. So this was begun by Thomas Blaney. Um, in the 1920s, and he also brought it back during 1940s to fight against communism again. Um, Much like the old guard, the White Army was a secret organization. Um, They had a volunteer membership base, 
with close connections to security services. So they claim anyway. Um, yeah. And were to rally together in times of unrest. All right. So they they were to support the police um, during any protests or, yeah. or you know anything that or the like communists a... would have done. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, this these were also um, mm-hmm. the people who. Um, claimed mm. that with you know growing unrest and, and mm. you know the the fight between fascism and, yep. and communism that there was only one man who can save Australia. Yes, John Monash. John Monash. Yep. Let the remnants of the old brigade rally around him and give him a council of financial experts. Right. So they wanted John Monash to become dictator of Australia. Wow. he's on the he's on the back of a hundred dollar note. To which he declined. <laughs> To which he declined. He declined. Yeah. Well, he did. How terrible. He did. He had probably busy inventing reinforced concrete. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I'm, well, he's one of the people accredited with coming up with the idea, but I don't think he himself was the only bloke who was into it. But yes. Uh, <laughs> so oh, they, right, they, right. they were the main ones that we had. There were also some in um, Adelaide. Yeah and Tasmania, but they were called things like the X League, or the V League, or the right. Y League. Um, All right. yeah. they, they weren't as, there's not as much information about them as what we mm-hmm. have of the Old Guard, the New Guard, mm-hmm. um, the White Army, and the same mm-hmm. Democracy League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there were, there were a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... But very short, you know, some of these seem to be short-lived, yeah, either they're... short-lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure that we can call them fascists. You're not quite sure we can call them fascists? Yeah, from, from the sort of definition you, you set out from, they yeah. seem like, I mean, when it comes down to, you know, reactionary is a... Is a but they seem to be reactionary. They're reacting yeah. and they're, they're terrified and they're trying to mobilise, basically, their own kind of army against communism. They yeah. are Well, they are whites, basically, as it's sort of... Uh, yeah. To more than anything noticeably like browns, so to speak, that kind of uh, German sort of fascism, oh, you know. Okay. Reds, whites and browns. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So what do you have to say sort of about that? I think that a lot of these were, as you said, reactions to mm-hmm. uh, changing political uh, scene. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were in order to stop change. Um, yeah. Particularly the old and new guard were um, to preserve their allegiance to, to Britain and the mm-hmm. monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more about being patriotic yeah. Yeah. rather than than causing change and, and creating a new system. No, yeah, we're not going to create a thousand year Reich or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, do some naked pagan dancing in the forest and no, none of teach that. dogs to talk. No, none of nothing that. quite so wild. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, while, whilst it was interesting to know that this sort of thing did happen in Australia, yeah. as you don't really get to learn about this stuff. No. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we can clearly label it as fascist. No, no, I don't think so either. But um, so when it comes down to it, is well, with the question being was, did CSR fund fascism? We've we've answered half of it. Wasn't really fascism, but CSR definitely funded the the old conservatism. Guard. Conservatism, yeah. Um, and the they were saying you didn't. They did. You don't think they they funded the uh, the new guard or no, any of the other groups? So so the old guard really didn't get up to that much. It was a bunch no. of rich dudes talking and panicking about commies, really, wasn't Pretty it? Pretty much, yeah. All right, so uh. You know, don't go getting worried about having to boycott <laughs> CSR Sugar or anything like that. They did nothing wrong. <laughs> they cancelled that. <laughs> CSR's cancelled. They still have a 
pretty big share of the uh, sugar market. But so this is a very fascinating yes. look at, uh, a, a, well, a very specific period in Australian history, which yeah, which deserves to be researched more. Is there a lot of are there a lot of books and, and articles and stuff out there on there, this topic? There's certainly a lot online. Online, um, yeah. We can put together a reference list yeah, to, yeah. to attach if you like. Yeah, go and have a look. Um, so that you can do your own research. Wonderful. But yeah, are there any big books that have been written about this or anything like that? Um, I'm just trying to remember. I don't think so. No, no. Unless you want to go read Kangaroo. Oh, Kangaroo! I was, I was wondering when we were going to bring up Kangaroo. Kangaroo is a, was a novel by D.H. Lawrence and it's about a guy who comes out to Australia and he meets this dude who's just simply Kangaroo. And uh, yeah, it's about this particular period mm. and it's a very famous uh, book. Uh, because, well, I think it was at one point when there was, uh, I think it was, it must have been Oxford or someone was putting together literature of the world or something like that. A big collection back in the day and, uh, and the only thing they could have when it came to Australia, because they didn't know Australia anything, right, oh. is they just made an excerpt from the novel Kangaroo, which was written by D.H. Lawrence, who just came out to Australia and visited for a brief time. Really I don't think he ever met any of these sort of old guard or new guard guys or anything like that. He just must have known that it was sort of going on, and Lawrence <laughs> did have certain kind of fashy sympathies uh, at certain points. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fun book. It's a very beautiful book, well worth reading about, you know, Australia at that sort of point in time. Uh, so, yeah, go and have a look for that as, as well. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Do we have another topic for next time? Ah, another topic if we're going to be talking about things for next time. Well, I was reading... Well, all right, we'll get the Australian stuff out of the way. <laughs> I came across a wonderful book recently called What If Australia... Dot, 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 which is a collection of essays by historians asking about alternative histories. What happened, for example, if Tasmania had been colonised by the French? What would happen if... Um, if uh, for example, that you know, if the stolen generation hadn't happened and things like that, if things had turned out differently, what happened if uh, if the Australians were actually had been like Australian army on its way to the Middle East had been sunk by the Germans, uh, and that this was the first sort of action that Australians got in, in comparison. Gallipoli hadn't really meant that much, so it would be a totally different sort of history. Um, yeah, so uh, at yeah, so we're talk talking about lots of those sort of essays and other sort of alternative history stuff to do with Australia uh, in, in the next one, hopefully. Excellent. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll see you next time.